And you guys give it up for Keen as he comes and read uh, scripture today. Somebody's not clapping. Somebody's not clapping. <laughs> That's an inside joke. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Uh, today I'm going to read uh, Hebrews. Sorry, today I'm going to read Hebrews 11.6. I'm going to read it in English, and I'm also going to be reading it in Yoruba. Yoruba is um, my native language from Western Nigeria, okay? So I'm going to be speaking in tongues today, okay? <laughs> All right. So Hebrews 11, this is the interpre interpretation right here, okay? Ah, that's I, I'm good. still in line with scripture, still in line. It's theology as well. <laughs> Hebrews 11:6, and without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So now I'll read uh, in Yoruba. Shugon la isi igbagbo, koshe yashe lati wu, ni tori enitoba to olorun, wa kole sha igbagbo kwe ombe, ati kwe ouni ulushe sonfun awanti yo fi arabale wa. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, King, for that. Now let's pray as we dive into God's word. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your words that has just been read. And now we pray that you would use your preacher, preacher to speak your truth and to tell your people what you have to say. And Lord, I pray that their hearts will respond in faith, that will result in obedience, will result in them knowing you more deeply and more fully. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody say it. Amen. Amen. Before I get started, I want to go on record uh, saying another heartfelt thank you to Chris for his sermon last week. And I think we should encourage him. I was very much blessed. Uh, by his preaching and teaching uh, yesterday, I mean last week. And you can consider this sermon a part two of what he did last week. Same book, same verse, same context. Eddie Chapman was a British citizen in the early 1900s. He lived a life of low-level crime. During one of his stints in prison, he met two German men who convinced him to join the cause of the Nazis during World War II. Here he was, Eddie Chapman, a British citizen traveling to Germany to join the German cause. He was trained by the Germans to be a spy to infiltrate Britain. His first mission was to go back to Britain to hijack and destroy, in, destroy an airplane factory. They sent him on a plane, and he parachuted out into the countryside. As he began to work his way to his target, he was picked up by the British intelligence services. They knew about Eddie Chapman. They knew what he was doing. He would think they would stick, you would think they would stick him in some dark hole and leave him there, at least until the war had ended. But instead, they turned Eddie Chapman, a British citizen, 
who was a German spy, now a British spy. He was a double agent. So they pretended that he had destroyed the airplane factory that he was supposed to destroy, and they sent him back to Germany. As he learned a number of important things about German warfare, about their plans, about their weapons, he would sneak back into Britain and give them the information. He continued to do this throughout the war. I can't imagine being in that position of being a double agent, having to pretend that you're working for both sides in a conflict. But the passage today asks us a question similar to what Eddie Chapman must have asked himself. Who am I ultimately serving? Who is my ultimate authority? Who am I living for? Who am I, friends, to put it basic, who am I seeking to please? We have to ask ourselves that question every day. Who am I living for? And who am I aiming to please? Am I living for God? Or am I living for myself? Or am I living for people? If you say God, or at the very least you say, Pastor, I would like to live for God. Or you say, I'm living to please God. Or at least I would like to live to please God. Your next question ought to be, How in the world do you please God? How in the world do you please someone who created the universe? How in the world do you please someone who has all power in his hands? How do you please someone who walked on water? How do you please someone who has risen from the dead? How do you please someone who doesn't need anything or anybody? And today we will answer these questions. How do I please God? And how do I know God is pleased with me? Let me run it again, because I want to make sure that we get to the same destination at the same time. Today we will answer these questions. How do I please God? And how do I know God is pleased with me? In order to answer that question, we must go back in time, y'all. Way back in time. Travel with your pastor if you don't mind. I want to go back into time until we land at some OGs. Yeah, I want to land on some OGs. The OGs teaches us something about how to please God. This is what the writer of Hebrews does. He takes us back to the OGs. Why? Because the OGs gained approval from God. In order to understand this, We got to go back up to verses 1 and 2. Although our verse is verse 6, if we're going to get some understanding, we got to get some context. And so we're going to go back up to verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 11 for context. Watch this. Let's read verses 1 and 2. Now faith is the what? I drink some water, y'all. Now faith is the assurance or substance of things what? Hope for in the conviction or evidence of the things not seen. Did you see it? Now, verse 2 says this, for by it the man of old gained approval. 
Now let me do my job and teach you here and slow down because I need you to get this. Or the rest of the sermon doesn't make any sense. Did you see it? He defines what faith is in verse 1. And you and I know what faith is because we walk in it every day. There is something I notice almost every human being does. What's that, Pastor? Don't worry, it's nothing deep, real basic. I notice almost all of us check the weather. Raise your hand if you check the weather this morning. Yes, indeed. And we govern ourselves according to the weather. What do you mean? When the meteorologist or the app predicts the weather, we act on the prediction basing our choices on what we have heard. We act like it is going to rain before it rains. Like a few weeks ago for our summer fest, we had an event set for 716 outside. We had dunk tanks coming. We had ice cream trucks coming. We had bounce houses coming and more. Until the weather app informed us, or I should say several weather apps because we checked a lot of them, informed us that it was a 100% chance of rain on Thursday. Our event is Friday. We changed the entire event. We moved everything to the following Sunday. I mean, uh, we moved everything to that Sunday. We started acting like it was raining before it was raining. We didn't see one drop of rain, but we were sure acting like we saw rain. We are calling vendors and volunteers and a host of other things, all this based on what we can't see but what we heard. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what faith is. Faith is acting like you've seen it before you've seen it until you see it. Let me say it again. Let me run it back. Faith is acting like you've seen it before you've seen it until you see it. And the right, I'm going to run it back again. I'll play it back. Faith is acting like you've seen it before you've seen it until you see it. Now, Chris, I got to move on because they play clock, you know, the time, the time. The time, the time. I'm moving, Lee, wherever she is. Chris, I'm moving. Dex Joker? No, never mind. I'll keep it here. I'll keep it here. I'll keep it here. I'll keep it here. The writer says the OGs of the faith had faith in God like we have with the meteorologists. They moved on God's word like we move on the word of the meteorologists. Now, some of you, that may not help you. I brought another example. When I told Lila one day, baby girl, we're going swimming tomorrow. And when I told her that, I looked around. A couple minutes later, the girl is in a full swimsuit, y'all. Not only, is she, not only did she change into a full swimsuit, she slept in the swimsuit. I said, girl, why you got that swimsuit on? I said that we're going tomorrow. She said, but daddy, you said that we're going swimming. You missed it. She was dressed for swimming as if she was already at the pool because she believed in what her father said. She had faith in my word before she ever seen a pool. She had already started acting on my word. Friends, this is what faith looks like. We put our swimsuit on even before God fulfills his promises because we believe in the promises of our father. Okay, so in verse 1, he defines faith. But in verse 2, here's where it gets good. He says, when you put that kind of faith in God, 
you'll get his approval. Oh, y'all missing it. Faith is acting like you've seen it before you've seen it until you see it. Did y'all just hear what I said in here? Faith gets the attention and the approval of the God of the universe. Faith gets the attention and the approval of the God of the universe. But how do you know? Look at verse 2. For by it, the man of old gained approval. In other words, the OGs pleased God, and we know this because they got his approval, right? When you want to please somebody, you are seeking their approval. And many of us get this because we are continually using social media platforms to get the people's approval. You see, the writer takes us out of the lecture and straight into the lab. You see, the lecture is where you get the head knowledge, but the lab is where you get, you get to put the head knowledge to the test for you students. Ghost and Tommy, just keep looking at me, needed more than just a talking to, but they wanted to be in the streets to learn the game hands-on. Daniel's son wanted to be in the dojo, not just waxing cars. That's us. Does faith really work? Or are we doing wax on, wax off all day for nothing? Does faith really work? And the writer needs us to see that it works. Not just faith, but faith in God. Why? Friends, because without faith, you're done. Like Space Jam. Not the new one. But the old Space Jam, Bobby, the real Space Jam, before style points ever existed, the young people don't know about Michael Jordan. Anybody know about the old Space Jam? Y'all remember during the first half, the Monstars had ran over the Looney Tunes. They were messed up. They were jacked up. They, they, they had the wind knocked out of them. They didn't believe in themselves anymore. And what does Jordan do? Jordan goes in the locker room during halftime, and he gives them a speech, right? Not only does he give them a speech, he gives them some special stuff. Anybody remember the special stuff? It wasn't nothing special about it. It was just water. But what was he doing? He was boosting their faith. Because without faith, the Looney Tunes were done. He had to get them to believe in themselves again. And the writer here needs us to have faith, not in ourselves, but in God, no matter how loony that may sound. So that we don't think he's loony, he takes us into space and time to watch faith jam in the life of the OGs, who are the man of old. They are the Old Testament saints. The first two Old Testament illustrations he gives of truth, of verse 2, here it is, the man of old gained approval by faith. The first one is Abel. Y'all remember Abel? Brother to Cain, they were beefing in Genesis chapter 2. Do y'all remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Cain killed his brother Abel, that Abel, that God. And then he says uh, uh, Abel is the second son of Adam and Eve. And then the second person he gives is Enoch, the seventh generation after Adam, mentioned in Genesis 5. So he says in verse 4, watch it, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. There's God approval. 
The same word as in verse 2. God's testifying, same word again, about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. So what the writer focuses on with Abel is that God approved his offering, and in that counted Abel righteous or just. Stay with me now. And he says that the key to Abel being approved was that he made the offering, watch this, by faith. It's not just what we do, church, that matters, but how we do it. Let me run it back. It's not just what you do that matters, but how you do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had this conversation with my son the other day. Uh, 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 his grandmother told him to pick up the sticks outside. I get a phone call from his grandmother. Kai got an attitude because I told him to pick up the sticks. Put Kai on the phone. Kai? Are you doing what your grandmother told you to do? Yes, Father. I don't understand why she's mad at me. I'm picking up the sticks, son. It's not just doing, but it's your attitude that matters as well. So it's not just what you do that matters, but how you do it. Do our actions express the assurance of things hoped for? Like how Lila acted on my words to go swimming. She was so assured she slept good, but also in her swimsuit. Are you sleeping and putting on the promises of God? Then in verse 5, he gives Enoch as an example of the principle of verse 2. What's the principle of verse 2? Let me run it back again. That man of old gained approval by faith. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. He was not found because God took him up. I love this, y'all. I love this. I love this. For he obtained the witness. There's the same word from verse 2. Gained approval that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. So he uses Abel. He uses Enoch. And God straight snatched my man up because of his faith. I mean, Enoch was chilling and God snatched him up. I mean, Enoch was on a playground where he spent most of his days chilling and maxing and relaxing all cool and shooting some b-ball outside of the church when a couple of angels snatched him up and said, you're moving with your father not to Bel Air but to heaven. Oh, y'all missed it. I wish I had some Will Smith fans in the room. Wrote that just for you. Two times in Genesis 5, verses 22 and 24, Moses says that Enoch walked with God. This is why the writer of Hebrews says he pleased God. So he concludes, watch this, that by faith Enoch was blessed by God with translation into heaven. But why? The writer concludes this happened by faith. So the writer believes the answer to our question on how do you please God, it is by faith. You need, I need to let that sit for a minute. The answer to our first question, how do you please God, is by faith. But y'all, I did my homework. Yeah, I did my homework. I went back into Genesis to look at the story of Abel and Enoch, and y'all, we got a problem. Bethel Gary, we got a 
we got a problem. And see, this is why you got to do your fact checking. The writer has chosen two Old Testament saints to illustrate his principle in verse 2. Let me remind you of the principle that by faith the man of old gained approval. When in fact, in neither of the Old Testament story is faith ever mentioned. This is no slip up though. He knows exactly what he's doing. John Piper points this out. If we are willing to follow him, we will see how profound his insight is. He is not arguing for the nature of faith from these Old Testament texts. He is not saying, because I find faith mentioned in the stories, therefore faith must be the way, the way they please God. His argument is just the opposite, in fact. He sees faith in the stories, not because it is mentioned, watch this, but because these men did, in fact, please God. And, in, and, and there is no other way to please him than by faith. In other words, if the Bible says such and such please God, you can also read it like this. Such and such had faith. Because that's the only way to please God is by having faith. Man, we do a lot of things to try and get God's approval, do we not? Can we get real in this place? We try not to do bad things, to get God's approval. We try to cash app to good causes in order to gain God's approval. We try to run 5Ks in order to get God's approval. I love the next one. We try to share our Netflix and our Hulu accounts I'm not asking y'all to share y'all's with me. I'm not asking nobody to text me their code or password or nothing, or username. I'm just saying that we try. We try to get married and put thought in the side, like I'm done with that, pastor, to get right. We try to come to church and make sure that we keep our attendance to get right with God or get God's approval. We try to abstain from sex in order to get God's approval. We stop trying to drink so much to get God's approval. We try to open up doors for the elderly to get God's approval. We try to say the right theological words like propitiation and expiation to get God's approval, but none of those things get God's approval. The only thing that gets God's approval is when you walk and do life by faith. None of those other things pleases God. I need you to get this. I need this to land on you in a way that you live differently when you leave here. Catch the flow of verse 5 again. It ends by saying that Enoch attained the witness that before, he, before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. That is, he walked with God. Then watch what verse 6 does. Then verse 6 picks up the fact of Enoch pleasing God and argues like this. And without faith. It is impossible to please him. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now that is why he sees faith in the lives of Abel and Enoch because they were pleasing to him. The Bible says that both please God. Abel in his better offering and Enoch in his walking with God. And when the writer concludes that this offering and this fellowship with God must have been by faith because without faith it is impossible to please God, the evidence that our actions is by faith is God is pleased. But what is it about that faith 
that pleases God. God, what is it about that kind of faith trusting you before we see it? What is it about that kind? What is it about faith that makes God so happy? Here it is, friends. I'm going to write this down. Faith pleases God because faith seeks God. Faith pleases God because faith seeks God. Faith is the means of realizing spiritual reality. Faith is the optometrist prescription for those who want to see the invisible God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now, this this part of the verse, knock me out my chair, y'all. This part of the verse right here where he says, for whoever would draw near to God, that part right there is filled with gold. It's filled with treasure. And I got to slow down because I want you to see it. For whoever would draw near to God, for whoever, no matter who you are, black, white, Latino, poor, rich, whoever would draw near to God, whoever would draw near to God, the KJV translates it, diligently seek. Scholars are divided about whether it has the intensive sense. It is parallel here to drawing near to God. Help me, Holy Ghost. The Hebrew word that is often translated seek, originally meant to beat a path underfoot. The idea was that if you sought your neighbor often, you would beat a path through the grass to his door. Let me say it again. The idea that the writer is giving us is that if you sought your neighbor often, you would literally beat a path through the grass to his door. This is good. We should seek God so often that we beat a path to him, church. We should seek him so often. We should be going to God so often because we believe that he is. As Chris said last week, because we believe that you are, we're going to keep coming to you. We're going to keep coming to you because where else will we go outside of you? And so we ought to be a path to God. But only when we walk by faith and not by sight can you be a path to God. Because as Chris said last week, you must believe that he is. You can sing it. You can clap about it. You can shout about it. But one day, life is going to put your faith to the test, and you're going to really find out if you believe that he is. And one of the ways that we know that without a doubt that we believe that he is, we won't stop going to him. And we be honest. Let's be honest. Hold on. Let's be honest. Because I know it's easy to say amen in church, but I know what's waiting for you on the other side of the door. Opposition is waiting on the other side of the door. Trials are waiting on the other side of the door. Irritating people, amen, somebody, are waiting on the other side of the door. Financial problems are waiting on the other side of the door. So let's just be honest. Let's drop our mask for a minute and let's keep it 100 in this place. Sometimes it is hard to walk by faith. 
It is hard. Is the preacher the only one who finds it hard? There are some things in life that will rock your world, and you will be asking the question, God, are you really there? Okay, okay, it's all good. I know you guys don't, don't want to act like you never had a time in your life where you doubted God, but I'm here to tell you that there were some disciples. It was about 12 of them that had some doubts, and they touched him. They walked with him. They seen miracles, and they had trouble even with their own faith. The life will rock you to the core. A divorce, sickness, long time job loss. I mean, you start off at the beginning of that job loss like, I ain't worried about it. My God got me. Man, about three months later, about three months later, the devil start weighing on you. The account start going down. You start to tremble a little bit, and you say, well, God, you know, I thought that you, you know, I thought that you had me, Lord, uh, 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 but God, I got, I got some doubts. How, how about, have you ever been in an unfaithful marriage? Yeah, 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 unfaithful marriage, where, 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 where you try to do the right thing, but your spouse just couldn't get on the same page as you, and you tried to keep your faith, but the things that they kept doing start wearing on your faith, and you were beating the path to God, but one day, it got the best of you, and then all of a sudden, it was hard for you to see God. Friends, having faith is no easy thing. But that's why some of us in the room today showed up to church today because we needed a word from God. God, I can't do this by myself. So I hope that the preacher got something for me that would give my faith a spark again. Have you ever been in that situation where you needed someone to speak into your life in order to give your faith a spark again? And don't let them look at you crazy. Don't let them talk about you because I got news this week that Kanye West filled out a whole stadium for people to hear his music. They don't even know if it's good, but because they know Kanye, their anticipation is that it'll be good. And he goes by the name of Jesus. But friends, I got better news. I know Jesus, and he should be able to fill up rooms because he got a better word than Kanye West. Drawing near to God, friends. I want to be honest and seeking him. These are deliberate, intentional activities. You do not and you will not accidentally draw near to the Holy One. You will not accidentally draw near to the Holy One. You cannot be cavalier about your spiritual pursuit. No one ever seeks God apart from God first choosing and calling that person. But once God has called you to salvation, you and I, and once we have responded by faith to his call, we must exert deliberate effort and attention to seek the Lord, make it your priority and aim in life. But pastor, how do I get that desire? God draws you, but who seeks him? Who seeks God? Those who love God. Those who love God seek God because those who love God want to draw near to God. This is not rocket science. When you're in a relationship and you love someone, you draw near to them. You make time for them. You get everything out of the way just to pursue that individual. And God says this, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. 
You see, the man of old sought God because they loved God and wanted a relationship with God. See, we can fake out people by being nice on the surface while in our hearts. We really don't want nothing to do with you. I know y'all Christians up in here. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are some people in our lives that, that, that we act like we like, but we really don't like. And sometimes we got to do it because we got to keep our job, you know, and all that good stuff. But the reality is, is that with God, you can't do that. Even if we can come to church and give to the GoFundMe and get baptized and live a moral life, we must remind ourselves that God searches your heart. So let me ask you this. Why are you here today? Are you seeking God or some other agenda? Are you in a hurry to get to the next thing? What you'll notice about the men and women of old is that God was pleased with them because they wanted a relationship with him. Because they were not just seeking what God had, but God himself. And genuinely godly faith seeks a relationship with God. Ladies, don't you love when a man seeks you for you and not for what you can give? Man, don't you love it when a woman seeks you not for what you can give, but for you, 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 you. And there is no other way to have a relationship with God outside of faith. Because God is invisible. And you must believe that he is, as Chris argued last week. So how do we please God? The answer? By faith. But how will I know if he is pleased with me? How would I know if he is pleased with me? Like, how would I know if my faith has hit the mark per se? How will I know, Mike Olsen, if the invisible God is pleased with my faith? Here's the answer. God rewards those whom he is pleased with. How do we know he is pleased with us? How do we know if our actions are by faith? He will reward us. And what is the reward? Because this can be a little subjective, can it? Now, we know a lot of people that claim God has blessed them. People get a job and say, won't he do it? People get a new car and say, won't he do it? People get their rent paid and they say, won't he do it? People get their lights back on and they say, won't he do it? Is God pleased with everyone who shouts, won't he do it? What is the objective reward? What is the reward that is only given to those who have faith that pleases God? God makes himself known to those whom he is pleased with. He gives his presence to those whom he is pleased with. Not a car, not a bigger house, not more money, but God gives you himself. And when God reveals himself to you, that means God is pleased with you. Friends, do not think that God is pleased with you by the square foot of your home and the amount of money you got in your bank account and the clothes that you got on and the neighborhood that you live in. I don't care if you're rich, poor, no matter what level of the economic ladder that you're on, you'll know that God is pleased with you because God will make himself known to you. And if God making himself known to you doesn't make you shout, doesn't make you run, doesn't make you jump, doesn't make you excited, you may be seeking an idol and not God. And God says that he reveals himself to those whom he is pleased with. I learned this from Exodus 33. Pastor, you're going to have to give us some scripture. After the catastrophe of the golden calf, y'all remember the golden calf in the Old Testament, right? When Moses goes up to the mountain and what are the people of Israel doing, they, they, they make an idol down at the bottom. 
And, and so God told Moses that, that Israel would have to go on to the promised land without him because God is not pleased because they have no faith. And because they have no faith, he withholds what? His presence. He says, I'm not going with you because you don't believe in me. Therefore, I will withdraw myself. And Moses erected a tent of meeting well outside the camp where he cried out to God. Now, watch this. You have been telling me, this is Moses having a conversation with his pops. He says, Daddy, you've been telling me to lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. Now watch this. If you are pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Let me run it back. If you are pleased with me, God, if you are pleased with me, if my faith satisfies your expectations, teach me your ways. Who's praying like that in the room? No, 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 God, don't show me how to get the next promotion. What I want from you is I want you to teach me you, show me you, reveal you to me. I want to know you more deeply. I want to know you more fully. I want to know you more closely. This is Moses' prayer. And continue to find favor. Remember that this nation is your people. Now watch this. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. God's reply was sort of good news and bad news. Because the you is singular. God's presence will go with Moses and give Moses rest. God still got issues with these other folks over here. So Moses, with whom God spoke to as a friend, pushes back. He says, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. How would anyone know? Watch, here it is again. How would anyone know that you are pleased with me? And with your people, unless you go with us. Once again, the presence of God is confirmation that he is pleased with you. Christians in the room, how do we know God is pleased with us? Because he fills us with his Holy Spirit. And if you do not have the Spirit, God is what? Not pleased with you. What else distinguishes me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked. Because I am pleased with you. Now watch this. Hold your shout. And I know you by name. Friends, there's nothing greater to have in life than for God to know you and for you to know God. Friends, there is no greater reward. Life offers nothing better. Life can, can, cannot make anything better. Mac and book, uh, Mac, all of them, they fall short. Android, they fall short. Cubs and socks and basketball and all the things that we see fall short when it comes to this truth that the best thing that God can ever say to you is that I know you and that you know me. Friends, the biggest sign that God is pleased with you is that he will make himself known to you and he will be with you. In other words, God walks with those whom he is pleased with or allows them into his presence. I mean, this isn't rocking science. You allow people in your house and close to you whom you are cool with. If I'm not cool with you, don't come around here. 
Can we be honest? Don't, 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 don't. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Y'all know how the shirt go. I'm, 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 I'm half holy and I'm half hood. That means pray with me. Don't play with me. Stay, if I ain't cool with you, don't come up in my presence because I don't know. I may just haul off. I don't know. The flesh may be strong in that moment and bam, right in the left. <laughs> See, we must understand and Moses would have known how affirming the presence of God was and we're not shocked by it anymore. See, we don't get impressed about the presence of God anymore. We are so casual and we take it for granted. See, God's presence isn't a reward if you think it's something you are entitled to. Access to God's presence isn't something we are entitled to, but it's a privilege. Do you know what makes hell hell? People talk about fire and all this stuff, and it's a whole lot of debate about that. This is what makes hell hell. God's presence is absent. It says in, in, uh, in 2 Thessalonians, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. Watch this, away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. You say, how do I get into the presence of God or relationship with God? I want the reward of God himself. How do you do it? Jesus is how you do it. No one can come to God except through Jesus. If you think you can get to God without Jesus, you don't have faith. You have arrogance. Jesus has made a way for you and I to access God's presence. And this is the good news of the gospel. Not only can God be found, worship team is coming back at this time, not only can God be found, but God can be enjoyed. Because Jesus in his death on the cross has granted access to God for all those who believe. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained, watch this, access by faith. Friends, you can't please everybody, but you can please God. Friends, you can't please everybody, but you can please God. And God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for faith. Faith to confess our sins, acknowledge our failures, and get back into fellowship with him through Jesus Christ. Our only hope for pleasing God is faith. And our only hope for enjoying his presence is faith in Jesus. Life abundance come only when we walk with Christ every day. Let us all choose to please God in every area of our lives. Let us live to put a smile on the face of God. Let us live in freedom from the, from the affirmation of men. May you give your entire life to pursuing God because God is and he's real and he rewards those who diligently seek him. Freedom, have it, friends, having freedom is not an option. You must have faith because without faith, it is impossible to please God.